This is Ramsey Radio, the farming and farm machinery podcast from Ramsey Brothers, partnering farmers since 1950. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Ramsey Radio. Thanks for joining us today. As always, I'm Tim Glover and joining me at the Ramsey Brothers microphone is Rob Sands, Management Consultant with Western Australian Agronomy and Advisory Group, Farmanco. Rob, welcome to Ramsey Radio. Great to have you here today. Yeah, good to join you, Tim. And uh, you are joining us uh, from Western Australia. A little bit of precipitation over there, so things look like they're starting to kick off for the new season. Yeah, we've had a nice start in, in many parts of the state, which is which is always good. Um, canola being the, the, the main game this year, so there's been quite a... Uh, increase in that part of the cropping program so we managed to get a fair bit of that in which is uh and and it's actually up fantastic now i mentioned that you're joining us from wa tell us a bit about yourself uh, and your background yeah well first thing i've got to admit tim is i'm actually a queenslander uh, originally but i've been here for 30 years so i'm almost a west australian as i say that almost accounts for naturalization doesn't it that's right yeah, grew up on a cotton farm in uh, in Emerald, Central Queensland. So um, know all about work and uh, and driving machinery. That's for sure. Um, then I was an extension agronomist for a while with the Department of Ag over there. And then I came over to Western Australia, and I've been a consultant ever since. So I, I just hit the 30-year mark the other day, which surprised me. 30 years, mate. I take my hat off to you. You work for the farm advisory business, Farmanco. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Farmanco and the sectors it covers? Yeah, look, we, we started as a, a fairly small one-man band, actually, which which was uh, somebody before me in 1978. Uh, and now we've grown to about you know nearly 30 professionals with admin staff and that sort of thing. So we mainly provide advice to family businesses mainly in that broad acre area. Also got sheep, you know, a lot of mixed farms. Still, We're still around 70% mixed farms and about 30% proper, so yeah. So plenty of experience, as we've said. And as a rural business analyst, you've made a bit of a speciality in analysing machinery costs and the decision-making around purchases. So I guess, Rob, in your opinion, what are the broad brushstrokes of your approach and what do people need to consider and what's easy to miss? Yes, Tim, it's a good question. That's, that's a big question. Um, but I guess... Where I'd start is that uh, as a business, we're a great believer in collecting good data. So we do a lot of benchmarking and having looked at that data over a long period of time, what what you find is that successful businesses will follow some fairly general parameters and it's about discipline, I think, in in spending. So, you know, you've got a certain amount of money that you should be allocating towards machinery. Uh, We often use a rough figure of about 10% of your income and we, we feel what that does is give the discipline that you're not overloading your cash flow with machinery repayments and uh, and purchases, but you are allowing enough expense to to get the advantages of having good machinery, good technology, and the ability to um, use the latest technology to, to make your business more productive and more profitable. And what disciplined spending does is force you to make priorities. It may be that sometimes you, you have to compromise. Um, and this, this I find some clients uh, find difficult at times, but I think that discipline and that that cash flow control is what uh, protects businesses when things get tough. So it's great when things are going well, but you get a couple of tough seasons. If you've got a heap of um, repayments sitting on your cash flow, then you might find yourself um, having an interesting conversation with the bank manager. Yeah, and I guess, Rob, the other thing that... Um you know, I throw into that commentary at the moment. You know, we are coming out of a period of time where interest rates have been relatively stable. You know, and as a um, you know, as a big player in the machinery market, it's something that we 
look at very seriously because an interest rate rise changes the parameters on that cash flow and, and your annual repayments pretty quickly. Yeah, no, good good comment, Tim. I think the, the thing that's really changed, uh, certainly in my career in consulting, is I came in at the 17, 18% um, at the end of the 80s, early 90s, and now we're down at you know, one percent, two percent. So there's a massive difference in in the in that part of your cost structure. And what what it has allowed us to do though is push ourselves into younger machinery and be able to adopt technology quicker than we had in the past. Absolutely. Um, doing a little bit of research, you know, one of the things that you do do you focus on minimising the total cost of machinery. What are the considerations in your opinion there? Well, I guess it's it's easy to get focused on a total purchase price or you know, on, on the fuel bill or the repairs, but really it's the, it's the whole system that has to work in together. And I think where there can be some issues is where people start concentrating on individual components of that cost structure. So, you know, really the total cost is, you've got to have the machine, you've got to operate the machine, fuel and oil, repair it when it breaks down. If you don't have a machine, then you get to go and get a contractor to do the job for you. And, and labor is, is a big part of that because good labor can make a big difference to the overall machinery cost because of efficiencies and productivity of those machines can make a huge difference to the actual cost. So I like to say, well, let's make sure we're looking at all costs of the operation. And sometimes people forget about those ancillary machines that you're needed. Like in a seating operation, you need that you need the good front end loader and you need the good five and one bin to get it to the seater, to get it running well. You know, that the time that that machine is stopped is minimized. Um, you know, it's got to be done safely. It's got to be done in all, you know, weathers and that sort of thing. So I think it's that having that big picture and saying, well, what operation am I actually trying to achieve here? What's the most efficient way to do it? And it's not just going out and buying a piece of equipment. It's making sure all those bits of equipment work together as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um now, Rob, one of the things that you talk about, uh, so farmers can compare apples with apples, it's your recommendation that breaking the total cost down into a cost uh, per productiv- productivity unit, sorry, uh, is the way to go? Yeah, look, I think it's, once again, it's easy to use just dollars per hectare, for instance, but, you know, dollars per hectare doesn't make a lot of sense for a harvester, for instance, because, you know, it is about tonnes, isn't it? It's it's how many tonnes are Absolutely. you harvesting, you know, and, and, and what's your cost to get that tonne of grain off? and into, into the truck and, and off to the silo. So I think for me, it's, it's making sure that you, you pick the right unit of productivity uh, to make sure that you're driving those decisions within that machinery purchase uh, in the right direction. Yeah. So I guess for me, it's making good decisions around productivity that matters. And sometimes I find the problem with, with, with harvesters, for instance, is, is that some people want to push them too hard. Now, uh, that's great and your productivity looks great you know you're doing lots of tons per hour and all the rest of it but what about the grain you throw out throwing out the back and that sort of thing or you know uh, if it's not set up right if you're damaging the crop so i think that's where i say the whole cost so the whole cost is not just the machinery operation it's also what effect you've had on that commodity i've had an example where one guy might have had a um, tried to just use one large header and had to push that header into into conditions that weren't that conducive to to good harvesting we did some analysis on it. We worked out he would actually be better off having two headers, um, not pushing so hard through into the night into the in the conditions which weren't optimum. Hell of a lot better to manage his um, labour. Actually finished harvest quicker, and so some of those, you know, like a chaser bin driver and that sort of thing, we we managed to reduce the hours of expenditure. So for me, you've got to look at the whole the whole operation and and make sure you're costing that whole operation rather than just bits of it. Interesting point. 
Rob, we've talked a lot about analysing the cost of machinery purchases, but I think every smart farmer would agree cost is only half of the equation. We need to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll talk about the value that machinery upgrades can add to a farming operation, and you can factor that into your decision making. We'll get into that right after this. Don't go away. Are you planning a new machinery purchase in the next 24 months? Given current shortages, the advice from Ramsey Brothers is to start the process now. We know your machinery program is vital to the efficiency and productivity of your farm and making us part of your plan is a smart move. Our market knowledge will help you manage potential delays. So start the conversation with your Ramsey Brothers sales team today because in challenging times, our experience is your advantage. Ramsey Brothers, partnering farmers since 1950. Welcome back to Ramsey Radio. We're talking today with Farmanco Management Consultant Rob Sands about how you can make smart machinery decisions. So Rob, we've talked about assessing the cost of a machinery purchase, and I mentioned that the other side of that coin is the extra value a machinery upgrade can bring to the farm. So when our listeners are considering a purchase or planning their machinery program, how does productivity factor in? Is big always better? Good question. Um, look, and I think I think big has been a, a major driver of efficiencies in ag, um, and that's not hard to, to see. Uh, you only have to go back 50 years ago and see the size of equipment at that time. And I, and I think the other thing that has come with that, though, is that we're designing farms to be more efficient as well, so they can handle the larger machinery. So I guess they have to be matched. Um, it's, it's pointless trying to, to drive a 150-foot boom spray around you know, some fairly broken country with the trees and all the rest of it. But yeah, where you can get those good workable areas, then yeah, the size is 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 better. Uh, and normally, the reason size is better is that we can get things done more quickly and therefore timeliness. So, it's really about timeliness when you boil it down. If we can get things done on time, you know, if we've only got a minimum minimal number of spraying days, and we think, well, if I had a bit more capacity, I could have had had that spray out at the right time rather than two weeks later or or that sort of thing, then there's big dollar gains to be made. There's big productivity gains to be made. So I think for me, it's making sure you've got enough scale that you can get timeliness to a reasonable level. We have changed some of our practices, like we do a lot more dry seeding than, than we ever did. And, and some of that's been a, been achieved because we've got equipment that can handle that. You know, it can high breakout pressures, that sort of thing. It can do a reasonable job in dry soil. So I think we've actually allowed scale to increase in terms of, you know, one seeding gear can do a lot more than it used to. Uh, but we've gone wider and we've gone bigger, but it's also some practices that we've changed. The interesting one for me is, you know, with the harvesters, that uh, it depends where you are. Up north, where we mightn't have the weather problem as much as down south, then we can get away with maybe one header where they might need two or even three down south. So once again, the scale is getting the job done with enough timeliness that we're not going to get hit with a with a big event like a you know rain damage at, at harvest can can cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, so I think for me it, it's making sure that you've, you've you've assessed the situation, you've assessed the risk, you understand why you need the scale, and I think scale without reliability um, is the other thing that you need to look at. So this is often where we might end up having somebody with a really big bit of gear. If that gets bogged and you can't actually get it out without two excavators and, and a half a dozen tractors, then have we really achieved anything? So once again, there's that balance, but uh, mostly mostly big is better, but only if it if it's within the, the uh, system that works for you in that particular location. Absolutely. And I think um, 
what I take away from that last bit of commentary there, Rob, is, you know, he's also applying a bit of risk mitigation to your strategy. Yeah, and I think, you know, that some of the control traffic um, system of farming is, has helped in, in some of those situations. So things things move on, and, and I think that, you know, the smart farmers are, are aware of that and try and look at whether that technology is for them in that system. Certainly an exciting space at the moment, and I think, you know, autonomous autonomous tractors and autonomous um, gear is, is just around the corner, really. So once again, that might change the size of the gear as well. Interesting, uh, I wanted to add in there, you talk about, um, you know, I guess the next evolution. I have a bit of time for the telematics now and onboard monitoring of, of machines and that sort of stuff. Run us through your thoughts on that. Yeah, look, I've got a number of clients that have adopted that fairly strongly, um, particularly guys that have got perhaps bigger operations with a num- multiple machines and uh, lots of casual labour, because they can then monitor the critical performance factors of that machine on the go, you know, with their with their iPhone or whatever they use. The other thing that I'd like to use is to grab that data and then do some economics on it. What fuel use are you using? What is the cost of that operation? Okay, if we were deep ripping to a certain depth, uh, we know the cost then, and then we can see whether maybe two passes is better off. All that sort of stuff. It's just, it's exciting to have access to that data and to be able to do that analysis and really come up with some some good costings on, on individual operations. It's interesting what you can actually glean from it, and it's the details in the data sometimes. So having access to that data is it, it is critical. Uh, one of the things that I really like, uh, and certainly from the perspective of a machinery dealer, is some of the new um, you know telematics functions. I guess where um, where your dealer can actually get real uh, time updates as what's as to what's happening with your machine, so they know they're coming out with potentially. Four or five parts that could be related to that um, to that issue. You know, your downtime's minimised just through having the capacity of someone sitting in 30, 40, 50, 200 kilometres away, actually having a look in your machine at real time. I think that's there's got to be some efficiency gains in there. Oh, absolutely, and and I think it is a major part of of per- purchasing machinery is is that backup, that support. Um, you know, if you're broken down at two o'clock at night or you know whatever. How quickly can we get that machine working again and, and make sure that we're getting getting the crop in on time or spraying it on time and that sort of thing? So, uh, And I guess this is what we've just been talking about. Time costs can affect the value of machinery return, surely. Yeah, and I think I think this is, you know, it, it's, well, it's not just timeliness, but it's, it's actually the job it's doing. You know, it's pointless to, um, I guess, save money on a machine because it's, it's cheaper and then find that it actually doesn't do as good a job because... The job it does might translate to millions of dollars, you know. If you don't get a crop in sown properly and all the rest of it, well, that could cost you millions. Whereas the, the actual purchase of the machine might be, it might still be in the millions, but you're going to spread that over 10 years. So I think for me, it's making sure it does the job you want it to do is the most important thing. And I think the the second thing is making sure that you've got the capacity so timeliness isn't a problem or you, you've got the necessary uh, labour and logistics to support that machine so you're getting good utilisation so you do have that capacity. So sometimes I find people will say, you know, I need I need something bigger and I'm saying, well, is it that you need something bigger or is it that you need better logistics to support that machine? Do a bit of time and motion study. You know, where, where are you losing this time? What, what's the actual um, theoretical capacity of this machine and what are you actually achieving? What's the field efficiency? I guess that's where it's got to fit into that system and you've got to look at the costs of supporting that, that machine. So, yeah, look, often I say reliability is actually what we want. It doesn't have to be a new machine. If it's reliable and it does the job, 
that's the most important thing. And, and sometimes new machines uh, can be problematic if you haven't tested it before. So I always say to people, make sure you get those new machines delivered early and make sure you test it. Nothing worse than a new machine not doing what you thought it was going to do sitting in the paddock. Um, point you made before, um, I'll just draw back to that in, in, you know, and it's something that we do see quite often is that people go, oh, no, I've gone that way because it was cheaper. I've always used the argument there, and, and your point there was fantastic, that um, if it's not doing as efficiently or, you you know, you're getting increased downtime, you know, a million dollars income now, it's a, it's a pretty common thing, and 5% of that in downtime is 50 grand per annum. So, you know, when you sit down and you compare that cost, if you look at it from a machinery perspective and someone said, no, I went that way because it was 50 grand cheaper, you've done that in your first year. It's been interesting. I've done a number of costings for people at times and the extra technology, a classic is with boom sprays, you know, like even just individual nozzle control, you know, you'd think, well, how much that is that worth? But, you know, if you're throwing $120 a hectare at a crop and you've got a 5% overlap or an 8% overlap, it, it adds up. And even just, you know, wheel track damage. I had a guy in a high rainfall area and he said he really wanted to have that four-wheel steer because he can follow the same tracks around his headlands and because he's in the high rainfall, a bit of a broken country, he's doing a lot of turning. So once again, that's where you really do have to go through and, and work out the economics of each of those um, options because sometimes those options are really useful and sometimes maybe not. Make sure you do your numbers, I, I say, and if the numbers say, say it'll work, it probably will with good management, but if the numbers say it doesn't work, then then it won't. I mentioned before uh, the options between new and used. Um, so in your opinion, how should growers manage the new versus used decision? Well, I think th there's, there's two different things that can happen. I mean, sometimes if you're in a position where you've got a business which is uh, very financial, they haven't recently bought a property or they haven't stretched themselves, making good profits, they got a tax problem. Um, buying new can often be a, a realistic thing to do because you're cutting down some other problems. You know, you, you should have good reliability, your repairs should be less, you know what you're dealing with, and often you're getting a bit of a lift in technology or fuel saving or something like that. So if you've got the capacity within your business, maybe not buying new every couple of years, which, which is the extreme, but certainly buying new and and replacing within that sort of fairly reliable life. So I've got a lot of guys in that space. Where it gets a little more difficult is when you say, well, I'm trying to do a lot here and I've expanded. I've got a fair bit of pressure on my cash flow, so I do have to watch my cash flow. And that's when I think you should spend the new money on the areas where the technology is going to help you the best or where it's the most critical thing. So I tend to be cedars first. Got to have a good cedar. That's got to work really well. Boom sprays next. Probably can get away with headers a little bit older because we can always get a contractor in if we really had to, that sort of thing. And then as we get to trucks, well, you know, if the truck doesn't work, we can get a contractor in and there's there's, there's a reasonable number around. So for me, it's about that reliability and the risk of failure and what that means to you. So I think for me, it's that it, secondhand can be quite good for a business. And if you've got good mechanical knowledge and skills, it's probably better. Um, you can handle that sort of secondhand gear better. But um, yeah, often with the low interest rates, you know, we've been buying near new or new more often than not. So Rob, covered a lot of ground today uh, and obviously a lot to evaluate. Is there a risk of it all becoming too hard or too time consuming? Look, I think basically that's why I've got a job probably in some ways. Um, as as farming has become, it, you know, it's a big business. It, it's it's highly technical uh, and there is there is a lot of numbers and figures and, and data that needs to be analysed to make good decisions. So, yeah, if, if, you're, if you're not comfortable doing it yourself, we'll get help because, you know, the, these are big decisions. They involve a fair bit of money and making the right decision can make a big difference to your business for some time. 
it's one of those things where it's difficult to simplify it too much because I think you miss some of those real benefits. And because things are changing so quickly, I find that even myself, which is about all I do, I'm not out there driving the tractors and that sort of thing, but just trying to keep up with that technology. Uh, it's a full-time job. So look, make sure that you do your own research and talk to your peers. I think that's very important. Get good data. I think that's where our benchmarking can really help people to understand where they're sitting and where they should be, what they should be working on and whether their machine is actually not doing the job it should be doing. And finally, um, yeah, go through a reasonably rigorous decision-making process. It's probably not quite as important for smaller items, but certainly those big ticket items that are critical to the productivity of your business and profitability of your business, more importantly, then yeah, spend the time, do your research and 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 get somebody to help help you crunch the numbers would be my advice. Absolutely. And Rob, I guess that's a good point to finish on. Minimising leakage wherever you can is just got to be critical. And mate, we all know that at the end of the day, cash is king. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I also think profitability is king as well. And I, and I think the good managers understand that the average profit margin is about 10%. We've probably got a range there, obviously, from zero to 20, but we're talking 1% is do matter. Oh, absolutely. That's why we use that total plant machinery labour cost. We look at it and we say, well, if you can get that down below 25%, that makes a big difference because I've got some guys sitting up around 35. That's 10%. That could double your profit. And I think it's the other thing when you start to delve into the numbers, or we're all doing it to make a dollar. There's no question about that. Profitability is the end game. Um, as much as we do it for the love and the fun and all the rest of it. But, um, you know, the good operators understand those 1% is how much difference they do make to the ultimate profitability. I think the great thing about that too is one of my little sayings is that savings and costs are forever. Big yields and big prices happen occasionally. So the, the guys that understand that that dynamic well, that we, we, want to, we do want to maximise productivity, but not at any cost. It's got to be mm. understanding that, that cost structure uh, really does make a difference. And if we have a poor year, we're still saving costs. And we have a good year, we're still saving costs. And and that that's what separates the, those top 20% businesses to the to the rest of them. Absolutely. Mate, really appreciate you sharing your expertise and analytical insights to hopefully make machinery decision-making more logical. And I guess uh, for a number of listeners, more of a business process and a critical business process too. So Rob Sands from Farmanco, really appreciate you coming on the episode today. Thanks, Tim. Glad you gave me the opportunity. Fantastic. As I said, right at the top of the show, mate, it's a podcast for the uh, ag industry and we want to make sure that we cover all the topics that we can. So great to have you on. Um, We'll include some more background on Rob's recommendations in the notes for this episode. Visit ramseybrothers.com.au slash podcast for those and you can find all of our other episodes there or on your favorite podcast app if you like what you've heard please remember to subscribe like share and comment and if you've got any requests or suggestions for future episodes we'd love to hear from you i'm tim glover and i'll be back with another ramsey radio episode very soon in the meantime stay safe happy seeding and look after each other You've been listening to Ramsey Radio, brought to you by Ramsey Brothers. Find this and all our podcasts on your preferred podcast app or on our website at ramseybros.com.au.